there were many things I had to give up before I could move on. One of them was Mickey. Mickey was my best friend, my constant companion, the ground of my affections, the source of my safety. If I close my eyes, I can still see Mickey. His eyes were abnormally wide, his smile so broad that actually now I think about it, it was slightly creepy. And there was his smell. If noses can have memories, then that aroma is carved into mine. And if I were to catch a whiff of it now, perhaps on a crowded bus or even a coffee hour, I'd recognise it immediately, even though I'd be unable to name it. Mickey gave me courage to, in an uncertain world, reassured me when I was sad, protected me when things were scary. He helped me sleep too. In fact, that was his main purpose in life. Ever since he left the factory in China, was loaded onto a crate and ultimately purchased by my parents in an English toy shop. Mickey was, as his name implies, crafted in the likeness of Disney's famous mouse. At some point in his long and much-hugged life, he had lost his ears. So early had this happened that I don't even remember ever seeing them. Mickey was made of soft fabrics, stuffed with whatever it was they used to stuff soft toys with before it was replaced by fire-resistant modern alternatives. Except for his face. That was plastic. Cold, hard, unpleasant to the touch plastic. But it was that plastic face that I remember most vividly. And that smell. That was my mother's perfume. And she used to dab some onto Mickey's plastic nose before I went to bed. It helped me sleep, she said. Eventually, I didn't need Mickey anymore, and I lovingly and gratefully placed him on a shelf, a symbol of my growth and confidence, because there were many things I had to give up before I could move on. Healing is a good thing, isn't it? Healing is receiving something, isn't it? Healing is regaining your freedom, your power, your energy. Healing is even reclaiming your life, isn't it? There he sits, a man in need of healing. Bartimaeus is his name, and we just heard his story. Jesus is leaving Jericho, submerged by a crowd so big, he doesn't even notice Bartimaeus sitting in the street begging. Bartimaeus hears the commotion, feels the electricity in the air, and in the midst of all the voices talking and laughing and cheering, he is sure he hears the name Jesus. If you're listening for it, you can hear a cricket in Times Square. And Bartimaeus was listening for this name. This name. Or at least the bearer of it was his final hope. He had placed himself there on this street at this moment for this very reason. 
He hears the name and he calls out. This is what he has waited for, for this moment. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then he cries more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. But there are many things you have to give up before you can move on. Did you spot it? Did you see what Bartimaeus had to give up before he could meet Jesus? Before he could receive his sight? Before he could run and skip and leap down the road, the latest of Christ's followers? Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? throwing off his cloak because there are many things you have to give up before you can move on throwing off his cloak throwing off his most treasured possession possibly his only possession throwing off the thing that kept him warm at night throwing off his bed and his sofa his wallet and his armour throwing off his mickey The object that kept him safe, that brought him comfort, that provided him with his identity. There are many things you have to give up before you can move on. Throwing off his cloak was a gesture of absolute trust in the goodness of God and the resources of Christ. There is no going back now for Bartimaeus. Why would I want that smelly old cloak? I have a new life, new priorities, a new master to follow. There are many things you have to give up before you can move on. Australia's national coat of arms features two animals, both distinctly Australian and both with a story to tell. The beginning of the 21st century has been an Australian era. They hosted the 2000 Olympics. In the first 17 years of the millennium, its GDP has been roughly double that of the United States. And culturally, they are punching well above their weight, especially their sports players and the growing cast of Aussie actors starring in Hollywood. But back to the coat of arms and those two animals. Anyone care to guess what they are? Kangaroo. Very good. That's the obvious one. Uh, The other one, anyone know? Tasmanian devil. No. Uh, Kiwi. Koala. No. Did someone say emu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Double coffee hour for you. Uh, Emu is the other one. Now, the thing they have in common, apart from both being indigenous to Australia, is they can't move backwards. Think about it. Uh, The way a kangaroo's legs are built, (laughs) work with me here, Uh, the way a kangaroo's legs are built, they can only propel themselves forwards. Uh, The same is true, apparently, of emus. These are inspiring animals to have on your coat of arms, especially when you have the history that Australia has. 
When the British seized the island in the 18th century, they turned it into a penal colony. British criminals were put on ships and transported to Botany Bay on the southeast coast. It became an island of shame. What better way for Australia to leave its past behind and go forward to a prosperous future than putting a kangaroo and an emu on their coat of arms? No going back, only bounding into the future. The shame of the past is gone. And these days, you won't hear an Australian talk about their distant past. Of course, the English remind them of it all the time, especially at sports matches between the two. All is fair in love and cricket. There are many things you have to give up before you can move on. For Australia, for Bartimaeus, and for many, many Christians, that includes shame guilt, victimhood, the attitude of a beggar, the mindset of wretchedness. What's your Mickey, your beggar's cloak? Oh, we've grown out of pacifiers and security blankets, haven't we? Or have we? Maybe all I've really done is graduate from one Mickey to another, a more grown-up one. Maybe the source of my security is now my public persona, or my career, or my relationships, or my superficial appearance, my status symbols, my badges of honour, my medals of accomplishment, my money, and the things it buys. Even my guilt and inadequacy, because being inadequate can get me out of all sorts of challenges. Guilt gives me an excuse from standing tall and accepting God's commission to live courageously for Christ, letting my influence and gifts touch people for the best. As the Christian writer Richard Raw says, no one likes to die to who they think they are. Their false self is all they have. Letting go is not in anyone's program for happiness. And yet, all mature spirituality, in one sense or another, is about letting go. Or as the poet Auden put it, we would rather be ruined than changed. We would rather die in our dread than climb the cross of the present and let our illusions die. So here's the challenge for us this morning. You are Bartimaeus. You sit in the street. Half your cloak is under you, serving as protection against the dust and dirt of the road. With the other half, you keep yourself warm. It is your rug pulled up to your chin you're waiting for Jesus to walk down your street you've heard amazing things about him miraculous things life-changing things and you wonder can he do it for you too because you need it 
The ailment you have is not one that a physician can cure. No medicine can remedy it. No therapist banish it. No physio massage it away. The ailment experienced by all our ancestors from our mother and father in Eden on through countless generations and now afflicts you and me is a sickness of the heart, a disease of the soul. It's the alienation we feel from God, from human beings and from ourselves. And here he comes. You can't miss this chance. It may never come again. So you call out Jesus and he stops and turns and looks at you. Compassion and empathy etched in his eyes. He asks you to stand and come to him. But there's this cloak around you. It's preventing you from moving freely. It's stopping you from living fully as the glorious and free child of God you were made to be. It's your beggar's cloak. You've had it for years. It's a sign of who you are, your position in life. With this cloak, you project your values, proclaim your beliefs, magnify your achievements for the world to see. When you're sad and lonely... You seek it and you cling to it. When you cuddle it, you feel safe and special and insulated from the problems of life. When you're frustrated or when you dislike yourself, you find solace and soothing. Over the years, this cloak has become part of your identity. In fact, you don't even know who you are anymore because your cloak has, inch by inch, month by month, fused itself with your soul. You can't even see where you end and Mickey starts. Jesus stands in the street waiting for your answer. There are many things you have to give up before you can move on. What will you do? I've sat there too. Many times I've heard the invitation to stand. I felt the pull of the cloak. At times I've had to wrestle it to the ground as if it has a life of its own. I've had to prize its grip off me. Even after I've cast it off, it calls, Come back! You need me! You can't survive without me! I'm your precious cloak! I give you all you need! And sometimes I've returned to wrap myself in it one last time and then another. Enough. We don't need those cloaks. We are following Jesus. So let's do that, unhindered and free. There are many things you have to give up before you can move on. But it's time. Amen.